Hey everybody, so excited that you have joined us on the Link Church podcast channel. We believe that this message will not only leave you feeling welcome, but we do believe that it will rock you and it will also move you. A moment for God to speak right into your context. So enjoy today's message. We are in an interesting time to say the least, but I believe it is the most significant time in our lives because what we have the ability to have happen in our lives right now, I don't think we've had the circumstance on the earth for this to happen. And yes, I understand that in the middle of this, this time, there is absolute chaos and confusion. I have found myself literally deciding that I am so done with news. I am so done with news TV stations and radio stations. Um, I am so done with what the world is speaking and saying um, because number one, no one can agree uh, which is interesting to me because with all these facts and, and stuff, it's just information is all on the perspective of the person giving it and receiving it. Secondly, it's just dividing. The world is just operating in division everywhere. And it's so interesting how dark it is getting and how heavy it is. You know, the Bible speaks about darkness uh, covers the earth and thick darkness the people. And when the Bible describes thick darkness, it's a felt darkness and it is likened a lot to actual physical disease. And so what's so interesting is not only is the world dark with all of its stuff and, and people who are, are just perpetuating all different kinds of agendas, but actually literally you can feel it and it sits on the people themselves. And it feels to me like that the most dark time I've ever lived through, although I'm only 21, it's not that long, um, but in reality, you, you step outside your home and or even you just step online or you engage with the outside world and you can feel the tangible darkness, but the Bible doesn't stop there with darkness, the earth, thick darkness, the people, it says, but you know what? His church, his bride will get brighter and brighter. It, it, although the world gets darker, the people of God, our lives get brighter and brighter. And so this is the time not for ourselves to shine in and of ourselves, but as we get to receive and to walk with our incredible Savior and receive His grace and His ministry and walk with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives, they literally shine bright. They become a testimony. And, and Christianity is not meant to be a life of rules and regulations where the world looks at you and they say, you know what, you're incredibly religious and I give you that you're disciplined and that, that's fine. No, our light is meant to look like a life that they so desire. The gospel is literally translated too good to be true news. Now, let's be honest, there's news right now. <laughs> you, I, I, I almost feel like every day the news literally tops itself. I don't know about you, I, I cannot listen to the news anymore. I cannot even go, because it's, it's like every day they are trying to come up with more worse information, right? But the Bible calls the story in the story, the weave of the good news as the too good to be true news. And we, we open up our days and we go straight onto, you know, the natural news when we should be tuning into the too good to be true news, right? We can have a bit of fun with this. You can go into Facebook, when you should be actually in, in, a, in a far better book. You can go on Instagram and you should be in a bit of 
Insta faith. There should be a shift from what our eyes and our ears are focusing on. And I wanted to speak to that today because here's the deal. You can live a life and God has designed your life around what He came to do to give you a life that lives above every circumstance that naturally occurs on earth. So much so that you literally live a life that is in complete contrast to what is going on. You don't just survive during COVID, you thrive. You know, people are like, oh, we're praying our marriage stays together. I'm praying our marriage is better than it's ever been. People are saying, oh, we pray that we, we come through this as a church. I'm praying that our church gains ground and we keep declaring it over our people. And I'm not just talking about buildings. I'm talking about the church literally coming alive. Every other institution is cutting back, retrenching, freaking out. Where are we gonna go? You know, people right now think savings are security. I wanna tell you your generosity is your security. We don't live according to what's going on out there. We live according to what God's word says. And this series is titled From the Inside Out. Now, the most amazing thing about an inside transformation is that's not natural. That is not something that we achieve. That is only a supernatural reality, a supernatural encounter. Our spirits should be what's leading our lives. Our spirit being should be what is getting spoken to first, heard first. What is God saying to us on the inside that should be leading us on the outside? And so when we look at this, I wanted to first speak about um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through two says, therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so in other words, heaven is watching, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It is speaking in this moment as we are alive as the church and heaven is watching what's going on in the earth while the devil is literally positioning on us every weight. It doesn't say what weight. The Bible never ignores the reality of earth. It just doesn't give it the priority. However, let's be honest, right now it is literally like everything wants to add weight to you, including food, right? Like literally, if there's anything right now, you're looking at people, they were all bouncy and ready to go in January, right? And March, you know, you, you start getting a bit sluggish and by now people are literally on a crawl because what's come along? Well, here's financial insecurity, here's job insecurity, here's relational insecurity, here's physical well-being insecurity, here's national governmental politics. You know, I actually know of people that immigrated at the end of last year to a country and now they're trying to come back because they're like, at least where we come from, we know where we've gone, we don't know. No one knows what's going on. No one knows where to live. Who, no one has a clue what's going on, right? And here's the thing, what it is, is it's weighing us down. It's trying to get us to live in a discouraged, at no pace, with no tenacity, with no passion. And what does the Bible say? That stuff exists, but lay it aside. So the world comes along and says, hey, we want you to live at one, we want you to live at peace, we want you to live light and easy. And, the, and, and, and it comes at you like, that's the desire that humanity wants. You know, everybody's trying to simplify. There's all these documentaries about minimalize and this and this and this. But the truth is there's only one thing that literally gets you to cast aside the weight of this world, right? Although we wanna run a race of faith, it's all about our focus. What your eyes focus on will determine how you run this race on earth. 
Now, when your eyes are positioned on who? Jesus, it says, not only just Jesus, Jesus in who he is, what he's done and what he represents, the author and the finisher. So Jesus is God who gave the 10 commandments, who gave the written word, who gave the instructions, but he's also God who came and fulfilled them in our place. Often people will give place to the author space, the author space, but they leave behind the finisher and they almost leave it in an unspoken way like it's your job to complete. No, we can't complete. We're shocking completers. No one righteous, not one, except Christ, the Bible says. None perfect and sinless and blameless except him. Yet he comes in our place as God and man to fulfill. So when we put our eye on Jesus as God who gave and God who completes, right? What does it allow us to do? Run this race with endurance, right? I've, I have no intention to run the comrades, ever. And I, I marvel at people that, that think they can get me with that, you know? Honestly, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. And I'll tell you why, because I just do not have running endurance. Uh, 5Ks feels like 500 to me. And uh, I used to be quite heavy, and people used to tell me, once you've lost the weight, you'll love running. Nope, never will love running, okay? Endurance speaks of you keep going when everyone else quits. When everyone else gives in, you find another gear, right? Endurance athletes, they just, they, they have the ability to push through when everyone else gives up. That is a fruit of looking at Jesus. That is a fruit of looking to him. Why? Because he completed. So you're not even running to complete. You're running from a completion. You, you, you're almost running where you cannot lose. I always joke in our church and I say, you know, literally playing for God is, is joining the field when you know the result is that you've already won. You, you're not joining a battle that you might win. You're already coming in and just enjoying the game of of the victory. You know, you, could, you can be the orange person and you're in the, you know, you're the orange peeler of the best team in the world, but you still get the medal. You know what I mean? You're just around and you're, you're still on the podium. So we run with this faith with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So what is the enemy's way of bringing us down and getting us to back off and getting us not to run? Simply this, shifting our focus from Jesus in his finished work to ourselves. Shifting our eyes from what heaven is declaring to what? What's going on in the natural environment? Where am I? What have I done? I, I find it fascinating, but the devil has the ability to remind me of sins I committed 20 years ago with vivid description. As a pastor, it's even more funny because I was not always a pastor, and the truth is there are many days I'm not really that great a pastor. Uh, you know, even being down here on holiday, you're supposed to be on holiday, but I still find my Joburg stress joining us every now and then. And I do find myself not living like I'm in paradise or on vacation. I find myself often living with the stress and the anxiety of what has gone on and what could be. And the devil literally brings our focus on ourselves or on the natural, what's going on. And the moment our focus shifts from Jesus to what's going on around us, what happens? We don't, we can't function from faith. Even faith itself is a fruit. 
it's fascinating that when Jesus showed up in people's stories and he would show up in their lives and whether they were a woman with the issue of blood, whether they were a leper, whether they were a Roman centurion who had a servant who was ill, whether they were literally, no matter what was going on in their lives and in their story, Jesus would show up and they saw him as God who was able to heal, to restore. And they reached out to take from him and his response to them was, you have great faith. They didn't show up in the middle of a church service going, listen, I've just learned the Torah off by heart. He didn't recognize any religious tradition. He said, how do you see me? Do you believe I can and I will? And the moment they believe, they receive. And what does he call it? Faith. When you see literally God in Christ Jesus in the sufficiency of his desire to deliver you in the midst of your issue, heal you in the midst of your issue, you know what God calls that? Faith. And he recognizes it, great faith. And what's so fantastic about this is literally all we have to do to shift our lives from a life of fear, anxiety, and stress is simply sit and focus and shift our gaze to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It actually tells us in John chapter 12, Jesus speaks of a time that had arrived at his coming. And he literally says, now is the judgment of the world. Verse 31, John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of the world. So Jesus speaking in context says, right now the judgment of the world is about to take place. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. So in other words, the devil's literally getting dealt with right now. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Have you ever heard that in, in, in the songs and lift Jesus higher, you know, all that stuff. Those that we, we learned in, in, in children's church. My children won't be learning it right now. They'll be causing chaos and distracting the teachers. But anyways, um, these are the songs we sung, but Jesus was speaking prophetically to a significant type. In fact, it was well known by Jewish people as something that had already happened that God had done when they were in the wilderness following Moses, they were getting bitten by snakes. And how many, well, down here on the coast, you'll know. If you get, well, hopefully you don't know, you'll know of, okay? But there's certain snakes down here in Durban that you just, you just never wanna see. Um, and uh, the, like, if you get bitten by a black mamba, it's like minutes. If you, don't get, if you don't get medical help within minutes, you can die. And the nation of Israel was literally going through snake bites as a nation to the degree that they were dying. And what God told Moses to do was to actually make a snake on a stick out of bronze, right? And so God gave him the design and he built and he fashioned out of bronze a snake wrapped around a stick. And God told Moses, if you lift it up in the camp, all who look upon the serpent, right, will be healed. If you get bitten by a snake and you look upon that stick with the bronze snake, you will be healed. Now, Pastor, this sounds like crazy stuff, okay? Can I tell you something? Do you know when you have an allergy and you see the serpent wrapped around the stick, that's where this comes from? It's actually the symbol of medicine in the modern world. This is the story that it was developed from. And four million Jews traveling through the desert started to look at a snake when they were bitten and they would be super naturally healed. How do we know it worked? Because it literally became the symbol of medicine. 
Here's the thing. Bronze is always a metal of judgment in Scripture. And the Bible tells us, cursed is all who hang on the tree. It's literally a picture of Christ. Even the design of the stick is a cross, right? And so fascinating is that the actual physical people who could have seen the serpent in person would have only been a few thousand, yet a few million knew if they look in the direction by faith, they will be healed. When Jesus says, if I am lifted up, he is using a direct quote from when God told Moses, lift the serpent. And it tells us that by his stripes, we are healed, that he became a curse for us, so that every curse is paid for in full, even generational curses. You are not your father's sins in Christ Jesus. You don't have to accept that statement that the devil says, oh, you know, your dad struggled with this, so you're gonna be at that and this. No, 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 every curse is placed on Christ. Every sickness, every disease. Now, here's the cool thing. In this statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 12, you'll read in your Bibles, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's the song. The word there for men is added in. In your Bibles, it will be in italics, which means it is a translator's liberty to add that in. But the original Greek says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all. If you look at the context of the statement that now the world is judged, what will be judged of? Sin. What is the consequence of sin? Death, sickness, disease. In fact, even poverty hung on the cross because Christ was disrobed, right? He, all his possessions taken from him. Jesus is not speaking about drawing men as in I will get a lot of people to attend church. He's saying I will draw all that man in his fallen state represents. I am lifted up, I draw from you your sickness, your shame, your brokenness, your poverty, and I draw it into me, it is imputed, it literally is sent into his body, in which he literally cries, it is finished. In other words, literally everything you face, everything you've done, everything you fall short of, everything you can bring in your humanity, in your brokenness, he takes at the cross. He draws it all unto himself all your judgment, all your shame. If you lift him up, you have to lift him up in the context for which he was raised to be your savior, to be your healer, to be your deliverer. And as we live with this revelation, the author and the finisher, right? We start to live a life of faith, not in ourselves, faith in him. Yes, yes, I understand, friend, that my business is struggling, but my pastor said that Jesus has taken all my financial difficulty upon himself to provide a way for me. I, I keep hearing testimony after testimony that although COVID is going on, right, it doesn't mean the children of God are impacted and implicated the way the world is. 
I keep hearing testimony after testimony that God is making a way. I had someone write, literally came to me at the end of last year and said, Pastor, pray for me, I'm unemployed, I, I need work. And I said, fine, what are you? And they told me, and I don't remember because of course, like I said, I'm, it's only a miracle I'm a pastor, really. Um, <laughs> it really is. Um, affirmation is, is not one of my strengths. So only by the Holy Spirit do people feel loved and affirmed. Thank you, Jesus. So, but they came to me and they said, I, and I just said, hey, let's just believe God's gonna provide. Anyway, long story short, they're a pilot and they got a job in a cargo airline and they were complaining to God like, what on earth have you got me in a cargo airline? I wanna fly passengers. I wanna fly people. I don't wanna be, I wanna fly commercial planes. They're nicer. I don't wanna be flying cargo airplanes. And then literally what's gone on this, and he was so desperate for employment. There's a whole bunch of things hinging on the back of his employment and his family. And he, God was like, just trust me with this, okay? I've got it covered. Yeah, but I don't wanna fly this. I wanna fly commercial. And he's literally had so many promotions and so much favor because this company has exploded. I'm not, here's the thing, you're a child of God. And if God gave you Jesus, the Bible says, why would he not give you other things? If he gave up his son for you, for your sin, why would he not want you to have a life that is a testimony of his presence? You, you have to see that that his supply is so there. But here's the problem. When we shift our focus from him to ourselves, you know what happens? We start to not run a race of faith. We run a race of fear, of anxiety. And although all condemnation has been paid for and for, in other words, God doesn't look down and punish you now for not walking a life of faith. The problem is the reward isn't there. So you just go in circles. So many people right now I speak to that are, that are, that are believers are like, you know, pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm like, hey, trust God and obey. Just, Lord, you've paid it all. I don't know how to get through COVID, but you do. I genuinely speak to our church all the time, and I'm saying this to you. Speak over your life that COVID will be a blessing to you, that you will not find yourself on the other side of this coming out losing. You will come out gaining. You will come out going, God, I don't know how, but I'm trusting you to order my steps. I'm trusting you to birth a work. I'm trusting that out of this, I come out stronger, faster, younger, that we see literally the presence of God be with us. All throughout the Old Testament, you see that the children of Israel persecuted, chased down, hunted, but when God is with them, they don't just survive a battle, they come out gaining. Whenever they are attacked by the enemy, they got what the enemy had too. That's what it is to know Jesus. That's what it is to be a testimony of having him on our side. And whenever God looks down upon you today, you know what? He doesn't see the mistakes, the messes, the whatever's gone on in your life. He literally sees what he has done for you, the supply of his son over your life. Our baby girl, Hannah's three, very cute. And uh, too cute. She's very spoiled by me. Anyways, um, but here's the thing. The other day she was misbehaving and I said to her, Hannah, you're being naughty. And it was so cute. And it was such a Lord God moment. And she said, I'm not naughty through her tears. I'm not naughty. I'm a superstar. I'm a superstar. Because we always call her a superstar, right? And the truth is like right now, the devil's trying to tell you everything that's wrong with you, everything that's going on, every stress, you know, whatever it is, whatever's going on with your business, with your life, with your family, with your kids, where do we go? School, home, online, on the, like, what decision to take? You know what the truth is? Just trust the Lord. Be in the house of God, feed on the word of God, connect to church, hear your purpose and keep telling people about Jesus. The rest takes care of itself. You know, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. 
you know, Jerusalem, Judea. Like for me, I'm just like, you know what, God, just, just use me today. That's all that matters. Today is yours, Lord. We'll take care of the rest. And so I, I wanted to land in this because, and even though time's up, the temple of God is an interesting design because even we are described as a temple of God and actually God gave the design of the temple uh, to Moses and to David and to Solomon, but there's consistencies throughout and it even speaks in scripture that it is a picture of the temple in heaven. So it's not like God keeps wiping the slate clean and rebuilding, it's actually always been the same. There's a picture of it. And so what's so interesting is in the temple of Solomon, which was a picture, you know, a more permanent picture of the, tabern the tabernacle of Moses, it's interesting that you have the outer courts and the outer courts is where all the people are, where the city are living, where everything is going on. And the outer courts are illuminated by natural sunlight. So in other words, everybody is acting based on what's occurring naturally. Bit of chaos, some good things, some bad things, some strife, some peace, but it's like the world, right? And as you draw into the inner courts, it's like being in church. In fact, the whole type of it is now the bride of Christ. When you come in intentionally to worship, intentionally to gather, when you go online intentionally to receive, however you are gathering, when you come into the house of God, when you go online, when you come to feed, you're literally coming into the inner courts. And the inner courts is illuminated by the menorah, the lampstand, right? that was given a very specific design. It had to be made out of gold, 100%. Gold's always a picture of righteousness. It had to have the seven candles with the center candle. And there's such cool things about this. It's always pointing us to Jesus. But the most awesome thing is it's actually like a prophetic clock, like a prophetic timeline. And so the seven for the nation of Israel, now in Christ, we see the types of it. But at the time, they represented the seven feasts Right, and the seven feasts are literally this. This is in the, in, the, in the Hebrew calendar, Passover, then unleavened bread, then first fruits, then Pentecost, then trumpets, then atonement, and then tabernacle. Those are the seven feasts. But if you look at it in the work of Christ, you have Passover, which is what? The cross. The feast of unleavened bread, which is now redemption has come, right? Because leaven always represents sin, right? Then you have literally got the feast of first fruits, which is the resurrection. Christ resurrected as the first fruit, right? For us, the first of, the first to be, right? Then you have literally the age in which we live, which is the feast of Pentecost. And that is the center stand, the giving of the spirit, the birth of the bride of Christ, the church. After that, you have the feast of trumpets, which is the return of Christ. Then atonement, which is literally when the nation of Israel is judged again and saved, and then tabernacling, which is the eternal picture of being with God forever. The most amazing thing about this is that when we gather in the house of God, the inner courts, the most important thing that lights up our lives, the revelation, the picture, the focus is what? Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, the light. In fact, even in Revelation, John has a vision of the candelabra, of the, the menorah, of the seven, and he sees Christ in the center. He actually says it, I saw the Lord in the center when he speaks of the seven churches. So Jesus in the center of our worship. And then we have the Holy of Holies, which has no natural light. It has the Ark of the Covenant, right? And on top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. You can pull up the picture. And literally it is the Shekinah glory of God that kept it illuminated. 
not a single natural light. Only the presence of God kept it illuminated. That's a picture of literally our eternal position with God. Knowing God in eternity in heaven forever, lit by Him. What's so interesting is even the Bible speaks of our bodies, spirit, soul, and body. When you get saved, what does it tell us? God resides on the inside of us. The light comes to live in us. Our Holy of Holies is already attached to the Holy of Holies picture in eternity, where God is. And then we have our soul, which is influenced, depending on where it is. That's why we gotta get in church, be around, because we need to get pulled into where we are, in the presence of God. And then you have literally your body, the outer courts where it's all natural. What's fascinating to me is actually, if you look at this, and you look at the prophetical declaration of what's going on, I wanna highlight what took place in the temple, in the inner courts at the Day of Atonement, which was the most significant day for the sin of the nation of Israel and a declaration over them that was so powerful. And it is the last feast before the Feast of Tabernacling. In other words, like when we get to be with God forever, the step before that is atonement. On the Day of Atonement in the temple, you can see so much for how we should live life today in church when we gather under Jesus. There were two goats that would have to die for sin that day, two sin offerings. The first goat was brought before the people. Someone would come and stand with the priest and place his hands on that goat. And that goat was killed, right? And that goat's blood was positioned on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies that the blood for the sin of the nation of Israel went into the Holy of Holies and was positioned on the mercy seat. But there was a second goat. Have you ever heard of the phrase scapegoat? This is where it comes from. That second goat called the scapegoat would be marched through the congregation out the back doors. And the back doors of the Temple of Solomon literally faced east and directly east, as you go out of the temple, you would go out of the gates of the city and you would keep going east and right behind, literally a few miles out of the, out of the city of Jerusalem is the wilderness where Jesus fasted, like, and it is the wilderness, it's an arid wilderness. And if you go there and you hang out there for a few days, you'll die without help. It's dry, it's hot, there's lots of predators. That goat was led literally through the congregation out the eastern gates of the church, of the city, to die a slow, suffering death in the wilderness. First goat was killed, short, uh, fast, sharp, right there, blood taken into the Holy of Holies. The second goat was led out the back, the scapegoat. Why was it so significant that there were two? because it wasn't good enough that people knew their sins will be forgiven. They needed to know that everything in their wilderness, everything in their past was met by the blood of the sacrifice. In fact, if you check your history books, the temple used to celebrate every year a few weeks later when the person who went out with the scapegoat would come back confirming that that goat had finally died whether it was through starvation, attack, falling, dehydration. And they would always tie a red, a blood-drenched thread of wool to that goat's horn. And that person used to bring that thread back 
And within two weeks, the thread would turn white and the temple would celebrate that God not only accepted the blood of the animal in the Holy of Holies for the future, but that God accepted the past atonements. Do you know that that thread turned white every single Feast of Atonement, every single time, until sometime once it didn't, and it has never turned white again for the rest of the existence of that temple. Do you know what year it was that it stopped turning white? The year Christ died on the cross. For 40 years thereafter, it never turned white again. Why? Because God was no looking no longer looking at a natural goat for his acceptance. He had provided for himself, his son, to be the acceptance and the cleansing of all sin going back as far as Adam. Church is about telling you that God has gone into your past and cleanses you of every sin. Church is about telling you what Jesus did for you. But here's the thing. The final instruction given to the people was not to watch the goat go into the back, but to keep their eyes fixed on the Holy of Holies. God wants your eyes fixed on where you're going. God wants your eyes fixed on an eternity with Him. That the blood of Jesus went into your past, but God wants your gaze on the future where God has a plan, a purpose. You know what? I don't live life on earth with the view that, I, I know some people are like, we live, I'm, I'm very excited to live as long as I can. But let me tell you this, this is not my home. This is not what I live to make exist forever. This is an opportunity to give it 100% until the day comes when we just hang out with our Lord and Savior and have the most awesome eternity. As long as I'm here, I'm not gonna make this the big deal. I'm gonna make what He sent me here to do the big deal. We can't take stuff with us. We can take people with us. We, 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 how we live, it's awesome, it's fantastic, we're so blessed. But let me tell you, the greatest, the greatest way to live is building the house of God, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I really wanna tell you today, by the Spirit, the best is ahead. The best is ahead. It might not look like you planned it to look like, but trust me, when you get where God's taking you, it's far better than what you planned. It's far better than what you expected. I am believing that literally the church of Christ will arise and we will see people take the gospel of Jesus everywhere they go. And not only will they preach Jesus, they will live from a position of rest and forgiveness where literally their lives are a light in the darkness. You're not designed to survive. God has put you here to thrive. And the gospel of Jesus says, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, I've paid for it. So step up, dust yourself off and give it 100% because God has provided His supernatural Son for you today. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the message today. If you are feeling encouraged, inspired, and moved by this message, I want to encourage you to head on over to our YouTube channel at Link Church for more amazing content. Have a great day.